Like, I don't know what the team is, but it's in What? So you're, you're playing football now? I'm about to start. So what kind of league is it? It's like a – I don't know what type of league it is. I was in the gym like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's, I just beat guy. I can't believe he asked me if I played football before. And I'm like, yeah, I played about 15 years ago. And he uh, asked yeah. if I want to play for this league. He said they play like Alabama, which I'm afraid of because they like they're really good. Yeah. And they play teams like uh, Atlanta. They play like in a regional. Yeah. They play like in a regional. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, you're no like spring chicken anymore. You know what I'm saying? You're at the. I'm, I'm, yeah, I feel like. I, I'm I mean, you're like you're you're in good shape, but like, like you're 30 now. I'm 28. You're 20. Okay, yeah. I mean. Well, you take one time, man. I was your when I was yeah. on my back. I feel like I was on bad shape. I only had like nine, eight percent of fat on my body. Right. Now I'm about 165. Independent work I used to, used to one case of 105 pounds. 105 pounds, man, messed me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 105 pounds. Yeah. Man, these kids under five pounds. Yeah, you take one time, one hit. Yeah, I was scared. No, I'm not really. I can't work out. I'm not working out for the last three years. Right. You take one man. I guess I want to see if I still got it. That's got to be Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, be careful. I don't want you to get injured. That's. I mean, I'm very risk averse. Yeah. And I would be dead first, like first, like practice. You know, I'd be totally dead. So. No man. I'm in bed. I don't know about. Like, I was a lot smaller yeah, yeah, 15 years ago, obviously, but I feel yeah. like... You see, you still got what it takes. Yeah, you always see where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, y
there's a promotion. If you're a Verizon Unlimited customer, yeah, you yeah. get it for a year for free. So I got my first year for free. So where do you gotta go at? Go to VerizonWireless.com and there's a promotion right on the front page. You log in, you just you go to the offers for that and uh, I did it took me about ten minutes, you know, I oh, went wow. in and it's uh, it's usually seven dollars a month, but if you're Verizon Unlimited you get it for free for a year. So yeah, so yeah. Well, I got that for a year for free and the Apple TV Plus for a year for free. So. How can you get that for all my earbuds? Yeah, Apple TV Plus. And let me tell you, I talked about it before, that show C with Jason Momoa. Hello, I really liked it. I really liked it. Did you watch it? No, I've been trying to. Oh, man, it's so good. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. You can still, like... I can't. I don't have the. I, I really don't have the capacity to do that. There you go. Now that that's. I like it. Yeah, record it. Yeah. There you go. Just get a stand and like set up my phone and your your device and just record it. I'll you know set it up and just let it go for an hour. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I never got. Right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They'd be in the theater recording. Yeah. Yeah. I never got into pirating stuff. Well, part of the reason is, uh, well, I guess the illegality of it's one thing, but the other thing is I've never had high-speed internet where I live, and so I have to use my phone as a hotspot to get on my laptop, and that works. That's just it's good enough for what I need it for, but uh, it could be a lot better. But in any case, my buddy. He was all into uh, like downloading stuff, and he would have all, like when a movie came out of the theater, he would have it like a week later. You know, he said, I, "I'll get it." So I spent like all day the other day trying to figure out how I could possibly get that one episode just to watch it. The C episodes. Yeah. Oh, it's I so mean, good. No matter what you yeah. did, it always sent you back to Apple. Yeah. I mean, it's like places I could download it for free, or just yeah. watch the episodes for free, not even just download it. I got you, man. Do you have any type of tablet? What type of tablet do you have? Oh, Microsoft. Does it have like a bit of quite a bit of storage on it and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Talk to me. Talk to me after class. So. <laughs> I think so. we don't we don't ever use it really except for to let my uh, grandson watch cartoons on it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. All right. What else is new and exciting in the world? Hey, you You want to get a tablet fixed? Yeah, like screen. Oh. Who does that locally? I don't know. I mean, I know there's a place at the mall, but man, the Arabian guy, yeah. he charged me a stupid price. Yeah. I think $200, and now on um, Best Buy, this one for 249 What kind of tablet is it? How is it? The generation? Is it an iPad? Okay. Yeah, it's an iPad. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you really got to look at your cost benefit. Like, I just bought a fourth generation for my daughter mm-hmm. for 130 bucks, and it's in good shape. Um, so if you're going to spend a hundred dollars on a screen pair, you might want to just step up and buy a new iPad, you know, like, I've never, yeah, I don't have the skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're going to have some great iPad sales on Black Friday. Yeah, well, no, that's my, my, matter of fact, my wife, she was online checking on Yeah, you could get a, they think it's 249. 249, yeah. yeah. So even with the crack on yours, there'll be people that'll buy it to do the repair and then they'll resell it. Yeah. And you could probably still get, I'd say 100 bucks for it if yeah, it's I'm not bad. It yeah, you can still get you can still get some yeah. money for it. 
Man, there's, my dad, there's all kinds of people buying stuff and fixing it up and reselling it because yeah. my dad had an old Ford truck. It was a 79 model, and it was beat up, but he listened on Facebook, and he sold it. Like There was like 10 people on it within like an hour. They all of them want it. You know what they do with it? I didn't realize this. They buy trucks like that, and then they take them off the chassis. Then they put them on a Ford Taurus chassis, so it's a brand-new chassis, and they put new components in it, but they leave the truck, look beat up. They leave it looking, you know, uh, rustic, and then they ride it around. It drives like a car, but it's a truck, so truck body. So, yeah, people do that, and they resell them for big money, so it's crazy, yeah. So what else new and exciting in the world before we jump into Chapter 13? Wow, I am shocked that we are on Chapter 13. This semester has flown by. I only got four chapters left. Wow, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, and today is the 13th. That means, like, Thanksgiving is in what? 15 days, two weeks? God, that's crazy, man. Well, how about this? I'm still, I'm like over three weeks now, still the vegetarian thing, so no meat. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's going to be tough. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of quality side dishes, you know, like sweet potatoes and, and all kinds of beans and rice and corn and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, you know, we'll see. It is temptation. Well, how about last night? So last night for, for me for supper, I just ate, like, fruit and salad and stuff like that. But I got a rotisserie chicken for my wife and my kids, one of those ones at Walmart, you know. They're good. And I got some crescent rolls for them to make little sandwiches. You know, we do that every once in a while. It's really a simple, easy supper. Well, so after my wife was done, she's like, I said, well, you can, I gave her a Ziploc bag. I said, you can get the rest of the meat up there and put it in the bag and take it for lunch tomorrow. She's like, will you do it for me? And here I am. I'm like looking at that chicken. She's trying to set you up. And then like, here's what she did. She said, can you do it for me? Then she left the room. And I'm like looking at that chicken. And I was, I don't know if you get the reference, but I felt just like Carlisle out of the, what is it? The, yeah. I felt like Carla out of the Twilight movie, you know, uh, it's like, oh my God, my hands were shaking, touching the chicken. Just like, ah, you know, so, <laughs> I, was, I was like, please, just, yeah. I, but here's the truth. I didn't even lick my fingers because I didn't want to, like, I, I was like, look, I just like washed my hands. Like, okay. No, I, did, I just had to stay away, you know. That's tough, man. That's tough. That's perseverance, Oof, yeah. I did good. I'm proud, so. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I've done good, though. Um. I like I was when I first started trying to uh, I cut out all meat and I was still eating cheese but I'm trying to get cheese off the off the grid now so well you know trying to do a little healthier I feel I don't know if I feel better or not you know I think I do but but the pains of not eating meat so it kind of offsets it. So. Are you doing a kind of tougher workout? Like, not yet. No, that's I, I'm doing this in stages. That's that's by year three maybe. So. <laughs> <laughs> you really yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, if you could. Yeah, if you could get control of your nutrition, that's the biggest. Uh, there's a great documentary on uh, Netflix called Game Changers. Did you watch it? Did anybody watch it? It's really good. It's really good. And then I saw another one on Hulu called Food Choices. Also really good. So, all right, guys, we will jump into chapter 13 on leadership. And this chapter is one of my favorite chapters. Um, my other favorite is motivation because that's what I studied. But leadership is also just a really good chapter to talk about because it's there's so many facets to it. And 
when I was in grad school, I had to read a book on leadership. Well, I had to read several, but um, my major is educational leadership, so of course I might have a lot of leadership content there. But leadership is really an abstract concept and very subjective. It's very situational, um, and it's hard to define. There's this there's a saying, um, we art is hard to define, but we know it when we see it, right? Like if I asked you to tell me what art is, all of you would give me a different definition of what art is to you. Leadership is kind of the same way. In fact, the book that I read in grad school, uh, the one I was thinking of, Blackaby, wrote this thing called a book called Spiritual Leadership, and he was saying, or they, they were saying in the book, that there was over a thousand definitions of leadership that they, they discovered through their research uh, on leadership. And so, I mean, there's so many words that are synonymous with leadership and, and ideas. And, and so it really depends on the situation, uh, the individual, the people that are uh, in the group, uh, and the context. And we'll talk about that. And so some of the learning outcomes for this chapter what is natural? What is I'm sorry. What is the nature of leadership and the leadership process? What are the processes associated with people coming to leadership positions? How do leaders influence and move their followers to action? What are the trait perspectives on leadership? What are the behavioral perspectives on leadership? What are the situational perspectives on leadership? What does the concept substitute for leadership mean? What are the characteristics of transactional, transformational, and charismatic leadership? And how do different approaches and styles of leadership impact what is needed now? So this is a bigger chapter. There's a lot of different talking points, but the information is not difficult. And it's uh, to me, it's, it's interesting, so we'll jump into it. So the book talks about leadership as frequently defined as a social, interpersonal, influential relationship. That's a good first-liner defined as a social, interpersonal, influential relationship. So social as in we are interacting socially. Interpersonal means that we have some kind of connection between us. Influential, meaning that I am able to have some type of influence over you, whether it be through power or whether it be through charisma, you know, where that you just are drawn to me because you want to be around an influential leader and you want to... So, I mean, some people just uh, flock to leaders and they want to go and listen and learn and they want to be inspired. So <clears throat> that's an influential leader. But this influence relationship between two or more persons who depend on each other to attain certain mutual goals in a group situation. I really like that definition. It's very concise and it covers a lot of bases. Effective leadership helps individuals and groups achieve their goals by focusing on the group's maintenance needs. The needs for individuals to fit and work together by having, for example, shared norms and task needs. And so leaders help individuals work collectively towards mutual goals by addressing individual and group needs. So like, bless you, we have this thing in human psychology where if I was to give you something, whatever it may be, and usually when I was a recruiter, I'd go out and I would give people I talked to little gifts. Like I'd give pencils, pens, T-shirts, cups, things like that with logos on them. And you ever go to a trade show and you walk around with a bag and you collect the swag, you know, stuff we all get, all that goody stuff? There's a couple reasons why companies and organizations give away stuff. Part of it is the name recognition. Hey, I've got a cup in my cabinet with your logo on it, so that name recognition's there. 
But the other reason is because of this idea of reciprocation. If I do something nice for you, you have this, this, even if it's just a small urge, you feel this small need or urge to reciprocate in some way. Like, oh, somebody did something nice for me, I need to do something nice for them, right? Because you feel like there's kind of, do you feel that, you know? Like, and so, yeah, I mean, you, you feel this obligation. And so leaders try to address needs in order to hopefully inspire that reciprocation uh, protocol that humans have, where we say, if I do something to help meet your unmet needs, you're going to help me by meeting these shared goals that we have as a group. And so let's talk about managers versus leaders a little bit. <clears throat> we all have heard these two terms, managers and leaders, but what's the difference? I think managers want to plan, organize. Okay. You pretty much tell them what to do. And gotcha. Leader, you just follow you're in the you're in the ballpark. What's that, sir? Carries out like the orders. Okay, carries out the orders. Any other thoughts? I think leaders can actually be like an employee. Okay, yeah. They can be like okay, they're not a manager, but they're like the motivation. Right. You can have informal leaders that are not. Right. They, well, they didn't even have to have a formal title. Like, have you ever met somebody at work that was really charismatic and everybody loved that person? Yeah. Like, and they're not, and they're not normally somebody that's, they can be, but they don't have to have a title. They're just an employee that everybody loves. And if anybody, if this person asks you to do anything, people are going to do it because they love this person, right? And I've, I've been around people like that. I was like, wow. I mean, and I'm trying to think, there was this, um, when I was at, I used to work for a microbrewery and it was a restaurant, kind of like Ham's. I don't know if you guys remember that place. But it was uh, the name of the place was Main Street Beer Company, and they what it was the owner owned a microbrewery, and he set up a restaurant so he could sell basically have a, a retail front for his his beers, and so um, we had somebody that worked there, her and she was uh, very much a leader. I mean, she was just a waitress, but everybody, I mean, she was just very positive. Everybody loved to, to hang out and talk to her, and she was very motivational. I mean, she could ask people to help and get things done, and even though she had no formal title. She was very much a leader. So managers, according to the text and basic basic business uh, learnings, managers are people that that get things done. That's the short definition. I'm here and I go through a protocol of things that need to be done. If you've ever worked in a restaurant or a retail shop, you know that you have an opening, like mid shift and closing checklists that you go through. Like uh, when you open, you've got to make sure all these different things are done. When you close, you've got to make sure this other set of things are done. So managers focus on making sure that these things are done, you know, getting these goals accomplished day to day. They're operations people, making sure that the thing is moving. Leaders are a little bit different. They're visionaries. They say, okay, this is what we're doing now. We're getting things done. But what we're going to do a year from now two years, five years from now, because we can't always do business the way we've done it. We just can't. Even if you're a bread maker, right? So you make bread. It's something that we've, we've had for you know thousands of years. But as technology and times have changed, your process is going to change a little bit, right? In order to like, I mean, you know, when I had a friend, a colleague of mine, she used to work for uh, Carly C's. And back in the day, she has, used to have to walk the aisles of the grocery store with a big book. It was an open ledger that opens big book. It was an order book, and she would walk down the aisles and manually write down things that they needed to order. Every aisle of the store, just walking and looking and ordering. And it's very time-consuming, and if you missed, missed something, 
that you had an out and you were out of stock of that item. Very, very painful. Well, we graduated from that to what's called point of sale replenishment. And so when an item goes to the register and it dings, it hits a order threshold and it will automatically order this product again because the system knows that there's a one to two day lead time for that product to come back in. And so if I order it today, based on the sales history, I know how fast this item sells, it will replenish and be back on the shelf just in time to not have an out, to avoid having an out. And so leaders focus on how we're going to do things tomorrow, basically in the future. Managers focus on how we're doing things now. That's a good way to separate managers versus leader. Can you be a manager and a leader? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not all managers are leaders, though. Yeah. Not all leaders are managers. And some leaders, like I said, do not have a formal title. They're just employees that are, uh, are there to help inspire and motivate people. And so leadership is a process, a complex and dynamic exchange relationship built over time between leader and follower and between leader and the group of followers who depend on each other to attain a mutually desired goal. There are several key components to this working relationship. The leader, the follower, the context or the situation, the leadership process, and the consequences or the outcomes. Yeah, consequences have generally been thought of probably at this point as something bad, but not necessarily. Consequences are just what's the outcome going to be. Across time, each component interacts with and influences the other components. Whatever consequences, such as leader, follower, trust, are created influences future interactions. As any one of the components changes, so too will lead the leadership, right? And so imagine you've got a team. Everything's going great. Uh, we'll use the football team as an example. Everybody gets out there for the first season. Everybody's doing great. You come back second season. You had a good first season. No reason to think the second season is going to be different. But you bring on two new people because you lost two. So two are gone, two new people. And they just have horrible attitudes. Horrible, right? And the coach is having to deal with those horrible attitudes. Do you guys have a coach, by the way? Or is it kind of self-managed? Yeah, I got you. Well, the coach is having to adapt the leadership style to the whole group now because of this horrible attitude you've got. And you've probably seen it to yourself when one problem arises, whether at home or work, it kind of creates this toxic environment Mm -hmm. for everybody, right? And you've got several brothers and sisters, right? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Yeah. And so if you have one of those kids that has off day, it creates tension with all the family, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm there. I've got three kids. And so if one of them is, and I've, there's a truism that I've learned. You can make two of them happy, but you can't make three happy. It's impossible. And so, like, it's just not going to happen. It's just like when we, go, when we go out to eat. Right. We go to a restaurant. I don't want to go something. here. Yeah. And everybody everybody agree on, okay, Burger King. Right. And it's just that one that doesn't want Burger King, he wants Wendy. Right. So if he doesn't get his way, then it's just. Try to rule it for everybody. It takes us like two hours to yeah. decide what we want to eat. Yeah. yeah. That's that's exactly what I said. Don't ask. Just say this is what we're doing. Get over it. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. These leadership processes um, that I was just talking about, the leader, the context, the followers, the consequence, and the process. I don't really like this graphic. It's really just for uh, display purposes because um, 
to me, what I get from this graphic is that leadership is complicated, and there's a lot of different interactions from various aspects of those five, um, well, I guess, aspects of the leadership process with the leader, context, followers, and consequences. And it's very much situational. Like, you could have a group of individuals at a company, and you transfer to the exact same uh, the exact same copy of that company somewhere else, just a different location, and the chemistry and the leadership, the management, everything could be very different. And so it really depends on the the situation, the individuals involved. That's why leadership is complicated, because individuals are unique and complicated. And so leaders are people who take charge of or guide the activity of others. They're often seen as the focus or orchestrator of group activity, the people who set the tone of the group so that it can move forward to attain its goals. Leaders provide the group with what is required to fulfill its maintenance and task-related needs. The follower is not a passive player in the leadership process. Edwin Hollander, after many years of studying leadership, suggested that the follower is the most critical factor in any leadership event. It is, after all, the follower who perceives the situation and comes to define the needs that the leader must fulfill. In addition, it is the follower who either rejects leadership or accepts acts of leadership by surrendering his or her power to the leader to diminish task uncertainty, to define and manage the meaning of the situation to the follower, and to orchestrate the follower's action in pursuit of goal attainment. So the follower has to give in a little bit and say, I'm going to go with the leader, with whatever leadership that you're providing because I realize that by doing what you say or going down this path, it's going to lead to goal attainments. Uh, as an example, you know, I work within this division at Wayne Community, and, you know, they give us guidance on things they need us to do throughout the semester. Like right now, we're doing registration. You know, right now we're going through the last little bit of um, graduation applications. All of that is within a greater context of goal attainment, which is student success. That's why we're here. Because if you guys are successful, we're successful. It's kind of like a byproduct. Our success is based on your success. And so in order to reach that attainment of success, there's these things that we have to do, like registration, because you've got to take subsequent semesters of classes. And when you get to graduation, you've got to fill out that application to get the degree to attain that success. That's that's what we're here for. And so, um, but there's other smaller parts to that. You know, every day we come to class and we go through lectures, there's learning that's occurring. Even if you don't retain it all, there's things that we talk about that can be useful to you in your career paths. Um, this last piece, the context, refers to the situation that surrounds the leader and the followers. Situation are multidimensional. And there's just a lot of aspects to it. So you could have... Um, one example that popped in my mind when I said that was, did anybody ever see the show that came out last year called, oh man, what was it called? Um, it was on AMC, and it was about a group of British guys that were trying to find a path through the, pol through the polar ice caps. Anybody see this show? No. I can't remember the name of it. It was, um, it was a pretty good show. I, I watched the first season. Huh? No, it wasn't Three Musketeers, but I could see the cover of it, like, in my mind. But in any case, these guys were very, I mean, it was a very British show. These guys were all, like, in the North Pole wearing their full military gear, you know, and, and sailor gear, you know. And they, uh, 
they had a certain amount of food. Well, what happens, they get up there, and there's two ships, and they both get frozen to the ice. And so they're like, okay, no problem. We're, we're frozen in the ice, and so we, we know what to do. We're just going to... We're going to try to get out there and chop up the ice, you know. So they get they get the guys out there with axes and stuff, trying to chop the ice. No, nope, that's not working. It's 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 frozen. Wait, where are they they're close to the North Pole, yeah. So they're trying to establish a path, like a shortcut to get to a trading path. It's like in China or something like that. So and so like they said that didn't work. So they said well, we're just going to wait it out to the spring, right? So they're going to go on half rations. They cut their food in half. And they start waiting it out. Well, spring comes around, it didn't get warm enough for the ice to melt. So they're having to go another year. And so it's like 18 months into this journey, and they're like struggling by now. And the context very much changed. You know, you went from this very formalized, yes, sir, you know, I'm going to do what you tell me, leadership style. I'll follow you anywhere, to where it became very mutinous. The men revolted and turned on the captain. And it was basically every man for himself, you know, at that point. And so the context matters, you know. Like, you know, um, if uh, you've probably seen World War Z with Brad Pitt. Have you seen oh, this? Yeah. yeah. There's a scene where they're in the grocery store. Everybody's getting supplies. And there's a guy who's attacking his wife, and Brad Pitt has to shoot the guy in order to get him off his wife. Well, a cop steps up right then, and you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, Brad Pitt's going to get arrested or shot or something. The cop runs right by him and starts getting supplies. And so the context matters. In a normal situation, the police officer is the leader and will say, hey, you, you've shot somebody. You're going to get on the ground. You know, you're under arrest. But because we're in an apocalypse situation, the context has changed. The leadership style has changed. It's gone to kind of an anarchy situation. And so um, that's what I, when we go back to this idea of multi, multi-dimensional. The context matters. The leader, the followers, the setting, the context. The process of leadership is separate and distinct from the leader, the person who occupies a central role in the group. The process is complex, interactive, and dynamic working relationship between leader and follower. The working relationship built over time is directed toward fulfilling the group's maintenance and task needs. Part of the process consists of an exchange relationship between the leader and the follower. You don't become a great leader overnight. You don't earn trust overnight. Earning trust is central to leadership. And you just, I mean, uh, funny story with that. My daughter lost a tooth this week, and I wanted to look at it. But the whole time I'm looking at it, she thinks I'm going to pull it, right? I mean, I'm not going to fake her out. And I tell her, look, I'm just going to look. I'm not going to touch it. Like, I'm not going to pull it, I promise. And I promised, and I was tempted to go ahead and just, you know, pop it out because that's what you got to do as a parent sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't do it. I, I built that trust. And I said, look, you trust me because I told you I didn't do it. I wasn't going to do it. But you know what she told me after that? She said, Danny, I wish you would just do it. You know, like, to tell me tell me that you're going to look and just, just take it out. But at that point, you know, she just kept messing with it and it came out. But, yeah, but trust is so central to leadership. If people don't trust you, they're not going to follow you. They're not going to respect you. They're not going to listen to you. A number of outcomes or consequences of the leadership process unfolds between leader, follower, and situation. At the group level, two outcomes are important. Have the group's maintenance needs been fulfilled? That's a central question. That is, do members of the group like and get along with one another? Do they have a shared set of norms and values? And have they developed a good working relationship? Have individuals' needs been fulfilled and reflected in attendance, motivation, performance, 
satisfaction, citizenship, trust, and maintenance of the group membership. Yeah, look at those metrics. Uh, attendance, motivation, performance, satisfaction, citizenship, trust, and maintenance of group membership. So those are seven metrics that um, really can, can, can be used to identify buy-in, basically. Does, if, if these things are being maintained well, then there probably is a good leader-follower situation relationship or cohesion happening. But if people are absent, if, they're, if absenteeism, absenteeism is high, that's a strong indicator that people don't like to come to work or they don't like the boss or they don't they don't like the job. I mean, there's just, yeah, absenteeism is a big metric. You know, it tells people, um, you know, I, as an example, we've got about 330 people that work here. Uh, when I worked at Walmart, there was also about 300 people that worked in the Supercenter, and absenteeism was huge at Walmart. It was a problem. It's not a problem here hardly at all. You know I mean? People, people like to work here. And so motivation and performance, are people getting things done? Are they self-starters? Or do they have to be hounded? Do they have to be begged to, to get things done? Satisfaction and citizenship, are people happy? Are they walking around smiling? Or are they walking around with this grim look on their face like death's right around the corner, right? Do we have, this, do we have trust and respect? Or do we feel like we have a lot of secrets and distrust going on? And so... Maintenance of the group membership. Do people participate when we have group activities? Do people show up? You know, uh, do we feel like we have a, a family environment? And that's what we're kind of looking for. And the second metric of the consequence, or the, the, the one of the second of the two outcomes for consequences, have the group's task needs been met? That is, there's also important consequences of the leadership process for individuals, attendance, motivation, performance, satisfaction, citizenship, trust, maintenance, and group membership. And so looking for one of the two to be met or one of the two consequences to, to have happened. So types of leadership and leader emergence, a formal leader and an informal leader. A formal leader is that individual who is recognized by those outside the group as the official leader of the group. Often the formal leader is appointed by the organization to serve in a formal capacity as an agent of the organization. So this is somebody that hey, this is our leader, this is our person that we've designated as being our, our go-to person. An informal leader is that individual whom members of the group acknowledge as their leader. Athletic teams often have an informal leader, individuals who exert considerable influence on team members even though they hold no official formal leadership position. Why would you want to be an informal leader if you're not recognized as being the leader to begin with? You don't want the, the pressure of having a formal title, maybe? What else? Why would you want to be a formal, informal leader without the recognition or, I guess, uh, extrinsic rewards, monetary compensation, things like that, of having a formal title? Some people are just natural-born leaders, right? They just have this natural-born gift that they're able to talk to people and get people on, you know, on the same page, moving in the same direction, right? Um and so another benefit of being an informal leader, somebody that gets things done, that has initiative, that has motivation, that has enthusiasm, is that that informal leadership can lead to formal leadership because employers will look at you and say, well, you've been an informal leader and we recognize your leadership capacity and skills. People trust you. People like you. You have a lot of knowledge about our processes now. 
So we want to promote you into a formal leader leader role. But here's the real funny thing that happens sometimes. You go from being an informal leader to a formal leader, trust goes down. Why does that happen? People trusted you as an informal leader, but now that you're a formal leader, why does trust go down? Why do you think? Because they may look at you as a superior. Now, yeah. The the context has changed. Remember, we said the context is important. So now that you're an actual supervisor, now that you can write me up or fire me or you're looking at me a little differently, now that you're my superior, there's, there's, there's a context shift there. And so the trust has gone down. And not only that, but now you're the man, right? And I don't mean that in a gender disrespectful way. It's just a... You're, you're, be, be offended. Now, how about this? How about now you're the them? Now you're the them. Okay, you're you're those people. You're the, uh, you're you're yeah, whatever pronoun you want to use. So. You're one of those people now. You're one of those those uppities, those those supervisors. So, but yeah, now you're in you're outside of that circle of trust, and you're inside the new circle, and. Uh, there is this trust that you have to rebuild. You know, people have to say, have to look at how you're going to do in this new role and see if you're still that same informal leader that you used to be. But you can't, you almost can't be. You know, like when you're an informal leader, there's no, you don't have no skin in the game because if things go up or down, uh, you're not personally responsible, right? But now that you're a formal leader, you got buy-in. People are going to look at you and point to you and say, you're the formal leader. You're responsible. It's your, it's your, you know, it's yours to lose. And so, things do change. The context has changed there. That's like my, like, <sighs> like my assistant principal that was in high school. Uh-huh. Like he was in charge of like the hallway. So we had this, um, this system where if you were late to class, then they would give you a ticket. And basically, the ticket would say that you know if you got a certain amount through that week, then you have to go to CIC. That's like a, that's like ISS. Right. They want to, you know, make it look better. So, you know, he'll write you, he'll write, like, write you a ticket or and everything, and then people just be like, oh my God. And then he'll just be like, oh, have a great day. Give me a high five. Like, what? Like, but before that, you know, he, he it right. wasn't like that. But, you know, once that happened, people just look at him like, oh my God. So he wouldn't be in the hall, you would He'll just be walking it, walking through the hallway, you know, monitoring, and then like when it's like five minutes yeah. towards the bell, oh, you know, he'll give us that five minute warning, and then you know, once we're late, he'll just um, where are you supposed to be? Um, can, we don't have to give you a ticket. Then afterwards, he writes us up. All right, give me a high five. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Andy Griffith. Did you ever watch that growing up? The Andy yeah, Griffith show? Andy yeah, did you ever watch that? Yeah, he was a cop. He was a sheriff. But he would stop people and was just super nice to them. And it's like, you know, I'm going to have to cite you for speeding, but, you know, we want you to hang around a little while and get to get to know the locals, you know. I mean, yeah, you stop by the diner, get a, you know, talk to Thelma Lou. Well, you had Barney. I don't know if he was mean or not. I mean, he was just, uh, he was precocious, I guess is the word, you know. Yeah, so, um, so past the leadership, people come to leadership positions through two dynamics. In many instances, people are put into positions of leadership by forces outside the group. So university-based ROTC programs and military academies like West Point formally groom people to be leaders. We refer to these positions as designated leader. In this instance, the designated and the formal leader are the same person. 
So we have groomed you to be a designated leader. We have trained you to be a designated leader. Um, I, when I graduated from college, I applied to two places to work. One of them was um, Smithfield Packing Company, which was a hog producing company. I'm glad I didn't get that job um, because they, were, they wanted me to do soil samples and stuff. And I was like, eh, it's not for me. But the other job was at Walmart. And that's where I ended up going. And even though I had a tough time there because it was such a, a grind, I mean, it was just every day, just imagine a bomb going off in the building as far as like mess, you know, just customers go through and just destroy the store and you had to rebuild it every night. And then you have tons of new inventory coming in. You've got absenteeism issues. You've got employee issues. You've got customer issues. Every day is just a total mess. But I'm glad that I went through it because I learned a lot. And um, when I first got there, they sent me through a 16-week designated leader training program. It was called the Management Training Program. And they actually sent me to a second program called Leadership 101. And it was a workshop to talk about leadership and different leadership approaches. And so... Um, it's just, leadership is very much an art and a science. It's, just, it's something that you can study for a lifetime, but there is an art and finesse to it, and you have to practice it to get better at it. Um, emergent leaders, on the other hand, arise from dynamics and processes that unfold within and among a group of individuals as they endeavor to achieve a collective goal. Somebody that emerges, you know, if you take out the queen of a bee colony, a new queen will emerge, right? Because the system demands there be a queen. Um, the first example of my mind when I was reading this, any Walking Dead fans in the room? I'm not anymore. I used to be. Like, I used to watch the show, but it got kind of stale, so I quit watching it. But Negan was the villain in one of the recent, like, seasons. I don't know if you know this, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the guy with the bat. He was an example of an emergent leader. Before that, I believe, according to the text, he was a... Uh, copier salesman or something like that or he or a coach a high school coach something very benign but he ended up becoming this leader of a group of people even though he was not a very uh, nice leader he was an effective leader he got this group of people together towards a collective goal even though it was to ill, Ill gains same thing happened with Rick Grimes you know the the actual uh, protagonist the good guy even though he does have some bad qualities he emerged as a leader in this post-apocalyptic type setup. So, um, Leadership is an exercise of influence over those who depend on one another for attaining a mutual goal in a group setting. But how do leaders effectively exercise this influence? Um, social or interpersonal influence is one's ability to affect the change in the motivation, attitudes, and or behaviors of others. Power then essentially answers the how question. How do leaders influence their followers? The answer often is that a leader's social influence is the source of his power. So <clears throat> I really like this idea of head fakes. Um, there's a document, well, it's not a documentary, it's a video that I need to show in here. It's by a guy named Dr. Randy Pausch. Has anybody ever heard of the last lecture, Dr. Randy Pausch? If you haven't, I'll just give you a brief nutshell. He was a professor at Carnegie Mellon University, and he found out he had pancreatic cancer he only had six months to live. And so with his last six months, he said, I'm going to give one final lecture to the world. And it's not just to his students, but to, his, to the world and to his family. And in the lecture, he talks about, uh, you know, head fakes, how we can influence others. And he said, you know, we often influence others in ways that they don't know that they're being influenced. 
he talks about his high school football coach or is middle school or high school and the football coach would have him do basic drills and have him do you know things that he didn't think was important to the game but when when he learned what he learned from that was not only was it important to the game but it was important to life he got a lot of life lessons about teamwork about cooperation about leadership uh, about mutually going after a goal uh, about winning those types of things he got which were all kind of the head fakes these are things that he learned kind of uh, as a side effect of going through this experience and so um, I like the idea of getting to know people as individuals talking to them about what they like what they're interested in um, and from that we develop a relationship we develop a rapport and then we've got a mutual trust that's happening you know what I like I know what you like um, and I know who you are and what you are like and from that we have this social influence because you know and like me now if I ask you to do something you trust me and you're a lot more likely to do that than if you didn't know or like me I mean you think about it if a stranger comes and asks you if you get a new manager and you talk to that new manager and they ask you to do something you're like who is this person how can you tell me what to do you've not earned the right to tell me what to do you may have formal authority because the company hired you to be over me and be my supervisor, but you haven't earned the right to tell me what to do. I'm an adult, right? I mean, you felt this probably. You've seen it. And so what you do is you go back to your old manager and say, can you believe this new manager is telling me what to do? And I have all this buy-in with you and all this social influence. And so, like, these things happen. You know, the manager, normally in a new manager situation, I try to kind of ease into it. I've seen other managers jump into it with, like, really, like, hard heavy-handed I don't like that approach myself I like to get to know people's individuals ask a lot of questions and listen and start to buy you know kind of earn the right to ask people to be a part of the group you know or earn, earn that and so that's just my approach but others like I've seen people that are very heavy-handed and come in there and kind of rip the band-aid off and go so a um, couple of things that we'll take a time out for today but leadership as an exercise of influence French and Raven, this is from the book, provide us with a useful typology that identifies the sources and types of power that may be at the disposal of leaders. Reward power, you do something, you get something. Coercive power, the power of a person has because people believe that he or she can punish them by inflicting pain or by withholding or taking away something that they value. You will do this or you won't have any shifts next week. If you don't have any shifts next week, you don't have any money the week after. That's coercive power. Referring power, the power a person has because others want to associate with or be accepted by him or her. Expert power, the power a person has because others believe that he or she is willing to share expert knowledge that they need. So if I go to a, an apprenticeship, I'm going to listen and maybe take some lip from somebody because they're an expert and I want to learn even though, like, uh, I don't appreciate the attitude, you know. Imagine being a, a recently graduated medical school student. You're at your first residency you know, appointment, and your uh, attending physician that you're under just is a total jerk to you and giving you all your scrub. You ain't going to never be a doctor. Yeah, and just has to give you all kinds of hard time. But, you know, you've seen it in the movies, all that, that character, right, that gives the person a hard time. But in some cases, they give them a hard time just so they can – learn that hey this job is not easy there are hard times coming and by me giving you a hard time you're learning to deal with that the military does that right you go to boot camp you get a hard time right out of the gates any veterans no 
<laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, what? You're Air Force, right? Marines. Marines. So, how was boot camp? Sup? Yeah. <laughs> Happy Veterans Day, by the way. If I, yeah, yeah. Yes, I know we're late, but we weren't here. But so, yeah, boot camp sucks, as you said. Yeah, but the 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 reasoning behind that is you go through this horrible experience, but you you grow from that. You say, well, if I can survive this, I can do anything. So it empowers you after the fact, and then uh, you realize uh, there's going to be some tough times in the in the military. But if I could, I, I go back to boot camp and what I learned the basics and how to survive. So uh, the last one is legitimate power. The power a person has because others believe that he possesses the right to influence them and they ought to obey. So um, power of the presidency, right? That's a legitimate power. Things like that. All right. We will take a time out here today, guys. I appreciate it. We'll wrap up on Friday. And if you need anything in the meantime, don't forget to drop me an email. I'll see you then, guys. Have a good one.